Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little bit about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat, because, yeah, win or lose, uh, still gonna be here. Last night's game, not quite as much fun, very reminiscent of Game 2 in that it was an absolute blowout. A different kind of blowout compared to what Game 2 was, but we'll get more into that uh, in a moment. But yeah, Heat versus Celtics, Game 4, Heat's offense goes ice cold, series now tied 2-2. In the, in the game, Miami lost 82-102, to and honestly, 20-point loss uh, does not properly sum it up. Uh, closer to 30 is, is what it was before garbage time, as we'll, we'll see in a moment. But going into the game, Tyler Hero would be out for the Miami Heat, which primarily just changes the bench rotation, mainly, you know, get Victor Oladipo in earlier. But it's not like when uh, Kyle Lowry's out and it's okay, who's going to start in place of them kind of thing. Uh, and then as for Tyler Hero being out, I mean, very ineffective in, in Game 3, unfortunately. So... I mean, if you want to go hot take version, you could even say that having Hero out could have been beneficial for Miami. Maybe not so in a game that their offense absolutely struggled, and the one thing Hero potentially could provide is on the offensive end. But nonetheless, um, they knew that they were going to be without him going into the game. And then for the Celtics side, they knew they would have Robert Williams back, which is good for their defense, which we'll see in a little bit. But Marcus Smart would be out with the ankle injury. Uh, looked like he had swollen up. So I don't know if I mentioned this in Game 3, but Marcus Smart did go down with what looked like a really nasty ankle injury. like Kind of like if we saw Jimmy Butler down on the ground, rolling around, screaming. At the very least, you're like, okay, he's not faking this, and he must at least be in a lot of pain. It was the same thing with Marcus Smart. Uh, fortunately, it, it seemed to just be pain. He was able to come back for Game 3. But uh, I guess I guess as the ankle progressed, it started to swell up, and therefore he was out for, for this game, which meant uh, Derek White started in his place. But uh, as we go through the recap now, oh, the way you could phrase this game, to, to give some credit to the Celtics, because they do deserve some credit for this, Boston's defense snuffing out Miami from the start. Like, legitimately, these are the two best defenses, I think, in the NBA going at it. So... Can't be too surprised when one of them swings the game. Like, Miami's defense with the Steels swung game three. In this one, it was Boston suffocating Miami from the start. Heat did not make, as we go into the recap, Heat did not make their first point until Bam Adebayo nailed a free throw four minutes into the game with the Heat already down 1-8. So even the good part, like, starting out here was like, okay, well, at least Miami's defense is, is keeping this from getting too out of hand, right? We just got to get the offense going, it'll be fine. Problem is, offense never got going. The first field goal for Miami came off a Victor Oladipo three almost nine minutes into the game. Because, yeah, think about it, right? Oladipo is a bench player. So we got so far into the game that we brought in a bench player. And even then, Oladipo was out for several minutes before nailing that three. At that point, the Heat were already down 4-18, to 18, eventually finishing the quarter down 11-29. to 29. Which, honestly, like, just being down 18 felt like a win coming out of that first quarter. But, yeah, uh, another playoff record for Miami, this time uh, lowest points in first quarter. As things got into the second, though, Miami was able to kind of start to keep pace. Like, the offense came alive. They were keeping pace a little bit, and then it was just a question of if they could get on a run to start closing it. Nope. Instead, the Celtics went on a 10-0 run in the middle of the second that, like, Legitimately just felt like a backbreaker. It was, what, 50 to 23 at the time. Um, Jason Tatum just kept getting to the free throw line. 
finished 12 of 14 from the free throw line in the first half. That was another big thing for Miami was just, you know, it's like on the one end, they can't make any shots. And then on the other end, they can't stop Jason Tatum from getting to the free throw line. But eventually, somehow, that, that quarter finally ended. The Heat down 33-57. to 57. Then coming out into the third, like, I'm really not going to go over this in too much detail. Heat spent most of the third down 30 points until we pretty much started to get to the garbage time at the end of the third. Uh, Heat went on a little bit of a spurt there, finishing the quarter down uh, 52-76. to 76. And at one time, I jokingly tweeted out, like, hey, I don't even think that the Heat are going to get to 50. Well, they proved me wrong there, at least. But, yeah, then the fourth quarter itself, pretty much all garbage time. No starters for Miami played. Some of the starters for the Celtics did play a few minutes in. Admittedly, I don't know why. Like, that game was over. But eventually, the game ended 82-102. And, yeah, that's why I said, like, at the start where it felt closer to the 30 than it should have been through most of the third. Because that was, like, what it was before we started getting into garbage. So, that is the recap. Let's go into the takeaways. Pretty much probably the first one you probably think, what the hell happened to the offense? Well, like I mentioned, Celtics defense does deserve credit. They're one of the two best defenses in the league with Miami, uh, and it showed tonight. They forced Miami into difficult shots and did not give them anything easy. In large part due to the return of Robert Williams. They did it. There was an emphasis on letting Williams just patrol and lock down the paint. Uh, yeah, of which Miami only finished the game with 28 points in the paint, which is low, very low. But they only got eight of those points when Robert Williams was on the court, just, again, just patrolling and locking it down. And the Heat really did not do a good enough job on the offensive end of finding ways to pull Williams out of the paint. Uh, conversely, the Celtics did have good rotations going to still keep, like, a Horford or a Grant Williams. If they, if uh, Robert Williams is pulled out to the perimeter... Which, again, is why they're one of the best defenses. Um, but still, that that left corners open that the Heat did not really take advantage of for corner three opportunities. So, yeah, enough Celtics praise for now. Now the, they'll go to the Heat side of things, right? So, for the offensive for Miami, what I, I saw a lot of was, A, Jimmy Butler not looking healthy. Like, he was... Like, we know he had to sit the second half of Game 3 with the knee. He said he was going to play Game 4. Jimmy's a trooper like that. Fairly certain he was going to play four, even if he had half that leg. But when it came time to actually play, he looked like he was avoiding the kind of contact that he usually relies upon to get to the line or the like the shoulder move to, to get some separation so then he can finish. And just, yeah, overall, it ended up being a six-point Jimmy Butler game. And as has been reiterated ad nauseum already, uh, one of the prerequisites for Miami winning this series is Butler playing to the level of Tatum. Tatum, as I'll, I'll talk to you about in a little bit, finished with 31 points. Butler finished with 6. That is a huge difference right there towards the Celtics' favor. But yeah, that was a... Uh, B was the Heat still had a lot of makeable shots. Like, they were difficult, but there's shots that we have seen the Heat make multiple times throughout the series, uh, season and playoffs. It was just the lid being on the basket for several of Miami's players. Max Drews finished 0 for 7. P.J. Tucker 0 for 4. Uh, and Gabe Vincent, though he did finish 2 of 10, 2 of 5 of that came in that garbage fourth quarter, 0 of 5 through the first three quarters. Which, yeah, so if you want to ask what happened to the offense, well, Celtics played great defense, which as they're known for. Jimmy was not a, a threat because he looked injured. 
there was the lid on the basket for all the role players. And then the last part, which is actually my second major takeaway, the Bam Adebayo regression game. I can't help but wonder sometimes how frustrating it must be for Spo, Riley, or maybe even Bam himself that, you know, in a game three that he goes out and, and just dominates 31 points throughout the whole game, he comes in for game four and finishes nine points, six rebounds, two assists on three of five from the field, three of five from the free throw line, had as many free throws as he did field goals, not in the good way, and then also four fouls in a minus 16 in 28 minutes. But yeah, extra emphasis on the field goal part because Bam took a career playoff high, 22 field goal attempts in game three, and now only attempted five in game four. Like, he had more field goal attempts in the first quarter of game three than he had all of game four. Have I harped enough on the field goal attempts, hopefully for the point to stick, that he's got to just... Even if a Robert Williams is in the paint making things difficult just because he's looming out there, go at him. At least go out shooting. This does seem to continually be the problem that Bam has. Like, part of what made things easier for him in Game 3 was having Robert Williams out. Because Robert Williams is that kind of center that gives Bam problems. Bam has figured out, so far throughout his career usually, how to deal with smaller uh, defenders, just overpowering them, get to the line, shoot above, like, play above them, that kind of stuff. But big physical centers still give him difficulties. We look back to... Uh, to a lesser degree because he was injured, but 2020 playoffs against Anthony Davis. You go back last year to Brooke Lopez and Giannis, and now this year with like Robert Williams. But that's why you develop the, the face-up, the mid-range game. He had that going in Game 3 still, and he could have used some of that at least trying to take those mid-range shots when Williams drops on him uh, in Game 4. He just wasn't trying it at all. In fact, he was barely making himself a target out there. Like, game, again, to, to juxtaposition back to three, he was make, getting deep post, throwing the hand up, ready to take the pass, and then ready to go to work. This game, he's kind of trying to get that post position, but not really. He's not really throwing his hand up. So, what are you doing out there then, Bam? So, yeah, a big disappointing game from Bam Adebayo. Hopefully, something that he, he tries to take and use as fuel for Game 5. I would love another 20-plus field goal attempt game from him in Game 5, regardless of Williams' status. But, yeah, for now, in Game 4, the, he had a, it had to be mentioned, a bad Bam Adebayo game playing a significant role in you know what went wrong with the offense tonight. Now, to try to end on some positive stuff, do you have a positive takeaway? The defense was still there for Miami. So, from the field, they held the Celtics to 31 of 78, good for 40%, and 8 of 34 from 3, good for 24%. So, the Celtics weren't shooting that much better than the Heat were. Uh, Miami did get a, some success, still attacking ball handlers and getting their hands in, trying to poke the ball out. However, unlike in Game 3, where they were able to turn those into actual steals, you know, a lot of these rolled out of bounds or rolled to other Celtics players. Uh, and because of that, they Heat actually ended up tied with the Celtics in turnovers 9-9. Nine to nine. But just to mention that, you know, that part of their defense d- did seem to be working. It just wasn't actually turning into anything too positive this night. 
Uh, the Heat also still played that super physical defense they did in Game 3. However, that did lead to a rather nasty free throw disparity, which that was the part of the offense, sorry, the defense that killed Miami. Uh, Boston went 32 of 38 from the free throw line to Miami's 8 of 14. And though there was a similar disparity in Game 3, uh, Heat had 14 free throws to the Celtics' 30. This one, though, the Celtics got 8 more. I felt like because the, the refs didn't want this game to get as physical as Game 3 got. However, I didn't feel that they were extending that same heightened whistle to Miami's side of the floor. Which, to be fair, the Heat were still fouling way more than the Celtics were because we were trying to play that more physical brand. Like, the idea that the Celtics should have had 10-plus more free throw attempts than Miami, fair. I just don't think that it warranted to the point of 20-plus free throw attempts. But even if you accounted for that, it probably would have only been around 6 to 10 more points for Miami in a game that they still lost by 20. So, while it was significant, it wasn't the deciding factor in the game. And yet, even when you account for the free throws as well, like, you know, Boston still only had 57 points at halftime, only 76 going into the fourth, only finished the game 102, though the fourth was a lot of garbage time. But just to say, like, they weren't really blowing through the Heat's defense. This was definitely a game that was about the offensive side collapsing, the defensive side doing a good enough job. Which, yeah, if the Philly series is any uh, indicator, Miami has one of these dud offensive games in them once uh, once a series. Like Game 3 back in Philly, now Game 4 here in Boston. Last points on the defense, though. Uh, Jason Tatum finished 31 points on 8 of 16 from the field. 1 of 7 from 3, did not have the jumper going. But like I mentioned, just kept getting to the free throw line. 14 of 16 there. But no other Celtic had over 20 points. So Tatum was the only one really doing damage against Miami. Even Jalen Brown had 40 points last game, right? Finished 12 points on 5 of 20 from the field this game. So yeah, defense was still there. Uh, that's the third one, though. Now for some quick observations before we close this out. Celtics still only went 7 deep until the garbage time. They are committed to that 8-man rotation, regardless of if any of those players are out. Uh, but again, also getting back to that idea, right? The Celtics, because they're leaning on that shortened rotation, they need to get out to those big leads and then coast. It works for Game 2 and works for Game 4, but in something more like a Game 1 or a 3 where Miami can keep that game going for longer, I think that's when it benefits them more. Up next, Duncan Robinson uh, was able to go 4 of 6 from 3 in the 4th. Again, 4th was all garbage time. However, it is good to at least see him get get there, try to build up some rhythm, and then maybe that's something that he that can translate to the non-garbage time minutes in future games. Next observation, I almost made this a takeaway, just wasn't quite enough for there, uh, but Victor Oladipo still had a great game for the Heat. Team high, 23 points on 7-16 from the field, 4-7 from 3, 5-8 from the free throw line, was Miami's pretty much only offense in the first half looked more comfortable, looked like he was able to attack the rim better. Again, kind of like he's getting closer to his all-star form. Still not all the way there yet, but closer is still better and more impactful for the Heat. So kind of like Duncan Robinson, you hope that this is something that can be built upon for future games. Uh, next observation, kind of also a little bit with Victor Oladipo as well. Oladipo was a team-high 30 minutes, meaning everybody else on the roster got plenty of rest tonight. No one played heavy minutes at least. 
For Boston side, they did have, I think it was four players that played over 30 minutes with one Derek White playing 40. Uh, but again, like they are leaning on that seven-man rotation and still keeping some of them in to start the fourth just to, I guess, make triple, quadruply sure that Miami was not going to come back in that game. The pressure was on them to ensure that because you want to avoid the 1-3 hole, but Again, in a series where they're playing every other day, and Boston in particular has been playing every other day since Game 3 of the Bucks series, uh, any slight bit more rest or less minute load that the Heat starters can have versus the Celtics starters could be a difference in Game 5. And then last observation is just the way that dominant quarters continue to dictate this series, right? So... Game one was the third quarter for Miami. Game two, game four, actually game two, game three, and game four have pretty much all been decided in the first quarter, and whichever team dominated that quarter has gone on to win the game. Those are the quick observations. Now let's just look ahead to game five. It'll be on Wednesday in Miami. Uh, The starters, like I mentioned already, they got some extra rest. Obviously, this is pretty much a must-win for Miami. We're now down essentially to a best-of-three series with two of those games in Miami. But yeah, if you lose game five, then game six is in Boston, and that's potentially the closer game there. Or you win game five, sure, Boston can win game six. Uh, They will have the home crowd on their side, but you can come back to Miami for game seven and win it on the home court. The only injuries currently on the injury report, Tyler Hero day-to-day and Marcus Smart day-to-day, so it'll probably be closer to game time when we get those decisions. But for now, that'll be all for this episode. Please be sure to follow the pod off of Twitter at Heaters Heating and myself at KBR Heat Nation. Also check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball off of Twitter. I'll be back on Thursday to recap the Wednesday night game. Until then, hope you all have a good one, Heat Nation.